morning. Hope everybody doing good. It's great to be together as we continue our theme of All In for this year. The title of our message today is God's Chosen Instrument. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 9. And we'll be reading all the way down from, from 1 all the way down to verse 22. But before we get into the Word of God, let us go before God in prayer. Great Almighty God, we come before you grateful indeed for your love again. Your mercy and your grace and your love for us. Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for your son and his sacrifice. We are grateful that you do not treat us as our sins deserve. Father in heaven, we are grateful that you called us out of darkness into this wonderful light. God, Father, that you gave us an opportunity to have our lives changed. That you've given us an opportunity to see the truth of your word. That we may respond and have a relationship with you. God, Father, our lives are short. Father, we do not know the day nor the hour when we would be called heavenward or elsewhere. We pray, God, that with eager hearts we seek to put your word into practice with deep convictions, Father. Help us to not waver in our convictions about righteousness. Father, protect our hearts at this time of carnival, where some of us may be tempted, God, to give in to those things that have challenged us in the past and Turn to a life that we died to. Father, I pray that you strengthen us, help us to have the right hearts, open spirits, and a desire to love you with all that we have, so that your name will be glorified in all things. God, we love you. Please prepare our hearts as we hear your word today. It is your son's holy and precious name. I pray all these things. Amen. Acts chapter 9. Top caption actually says Saul's conversion. It's a wonderful passage of scripture that I believe should inspire all of us. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground but when he opened his eyes he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. 
in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go! This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales from Saul's fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength. It goes on to say Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. It says at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hadn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? It says, Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. What an incredible passage of scripture, don't you agree? There are two amazing men that I believe were both chosen as God's instruments right here in this passage. Now this passage helps me to see God's sovereignty. God's belief that any man and any woman could change their lives. Anyone can serve Him. And it doesn't matter where you would have come from and what you would have done. God, if He decides He has a plan for your life, He is able to see it through to fruition. He seeks men and women who are willing to be instruments for his will. And I pray that all of us here today embrace God's calling of each of us to be instruments of righteousness, to be instruments of glory to our God, and not instruments that are slaves to this world that is certainly passing away. You know this guy Ananias was very commendable. The guy saw that he had to go to had such an intense resume. The first time we actually heard about Saul was in the martyrdom of Stephen, who was preaching the word of God. And you know what happened to Stephen that day because of his boldness to talk about Jesus was so unpopular at that time, he lost his very life preaching the word of God. And this same guy, Saul of Tarsus, was standing there almost giving his approval. 
that's the first time we hear about him. You know, the early character that describes Saul's life previous to his, his conversion distinguished him on account of great wickedness. He declared himself as a persecutor of God's church, a blasphemer, an injurer of people, an unbeliever, and after he became a Christian, he described himself as the worst of sinners. The chief of sinners, the least of the least of all God's people. That was his resume. In Ananias, as you can imagine, was a little bit nervous. Just a little bit. To have to go and deal with this guy. You know, he was highly educated, that Saul. You know, he was schooled under a guy named Gamaliel, who was considered uh, like the chief Jewish law guy. He understood the teachings, and to this day he was revered by the Jews of that time and the Pharisees. But Ananias was nervous about this for sure. In fact, he was very edgy. He was being sent to an enemy. He was supposed to go visit a man who had done much harm to God's people. Are you with me right here? And I believe it was going to take some real moral strength to do the thing that he was assigned to do. Moral strength and courage. Making that decision to do something that kind of goes against everything that's in you. You know, I remember some months ago, uh, there was an incident in the San Fernando General Hospital where two doctors lost their lives. And, you know, one of my friends, he, he, was, he, was, he was receiving text messages from one of the doctors that he knew there. And, and he, he said, he was describing the, the, the state of affairs in the hospital. He said, man, it's just quiet. Their colleagues, one of them passed away, and the guys who did it, they're in the hospital right now. And they were describing the fact that they took an oath, and they're, 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 they're there, and they have to take care of these guys who were responsible for the death of their colleague. And he said, you know what, if, if somebody lost their mind, it would be so easy to take matters into their own hands and deal with this. But they stood morally and they did the right thing. That takes courage. You know, I believe that courage is a necessary trait for one to be pleasing to God. And that word courage, it suggests action in spite of being afraid. Are you with me right here? That word courage suggests action in spite of fear. And some of the things that disciples of Jesus are required to do, require courage. You know, we can think of those who were known for their courage. People like, like Noah and Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and my, my personal favorites, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were guys of courage. These were guys who decided, you know, no matter what happens, we are going to do what is right. 
even if we lose our very lives, we are prepared. Even if no one else likes us, even though our friends ostracize us, we will do what is right. Now I believe that this is not just for them. I believe that this message is for us as well. And it takes courage to succeed. If, if you don't act in spite of fear, you will get nowhere. If you're afraid of, of failing an exam, if you're afraid of taking tests, you understand what I mean? If there's no courage to step forward, you will not advance. It takes courage to stand out. It takes courage to walk in the opposite direction. You know, my father used to say to us, don't follow the crowd, for you may know better places than they are going. You may know better places, but it takes courage to stand on up. You know, the apostles themselves, they were hauled before the council in Acts chapter 4. And they were threatened not to preach about Jesus anymore. Could you imagine that? You know, as I, was, I was at my home a couple of days ago and I was sitting on top and I was, I was praying to God and I was saying, you know, say what you want about Trinidad. We have some freedoms here that we can take for granted. You know, we're in a country where we can, we can share our faith with people. We can talk, we bat talk the government on the radio, on the TV, and we work off it. Nothing happened with me. We bat talk with boss, we bat talk with co worker, we bat talk everybody. We really don't care here. Because there's no consequence to our bat talking anybody. Because we're living in a real freedom here. Imagine living in a society. Where you couldn't tell somebody about Jesus because if they go and squeal on you, they'll lock you up. If that were our reality, you would consider migrating. You with me right here? In Acts 4 and verse 18, and I'll, I'll read from 17 to, to 19. Um, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it. It says, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them, that's the, 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 the apostles at the time, in again, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. The Bible then says, after further threats, they let them go. Do you imagine being threatened? For sharing your faith. You know, after they were released, Acts, Acts chapter 4 and verse 29 actually says, Now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. They, they wrote a song about it. We sing that song, Prayer, prayer for Boldness. Uh, Consider all no threats and hate, with love we retaliate. Lord of reigns with zeal for you, God make many from a few. You all know that song? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. 
You know, their actions inspired the songs we sing. You know, we want to notice today the courage of Ananias. And we want to learn from it. Sent to visit Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus, a man obsessed with destroying the church. Yeah, and for Saul, disciples of Jesus could not be put to death fast enough. But the Lord tells Ananias to go visit this obsessed and driven man. My first point for today, God's chosen instruments are ready to obey. God's chosen instruments are ready to obey. In verse 10 in Acts chapter 9, it says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias! And he said, Hear my Lord! As if presenting himself for Jesus, Presenting himself to respond and to serve God. He says, Here am I. And I believe it's no accident that Ananias' response was so open-hearted. Because I believe that this needs to be the typical response of a man or woman of faith and courage when God presents an opportunity to serve. Are you with me? If there is some special way that I can serve the Lord's interest today, then here I am. Is that you today? Do we present ourselves as here am I? Here I am. Ready to serve you, O God. Now, there are many instances in the Bible where men responded to God in the same way. First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 10. I want you to note the scriptures, even if you don't turn to them now. First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. That's Samuel's response to God. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Here am I. I'm ready to serve God. In Hebrews 11, in verse 8, it speaks of Abraham. Verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. There's somebody trying to send you somewhere you ain't know where you're supposed to go and tell you go now. There are places we don't want to visit. You get me right here? I remember a day I was trying to get from, from Port of Spain to Sandy Grandi. And they had real traffic and I put on ways. I don't know if I tell you this story already, but and ways start to take me somewhere up in the back of the hospital going up the hill in the back of Laventon and I driving and the road start to get real narrow so narrow that the car came to us halt because the tires couldn't fit in the road we 
with me right there? Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out, but how, how they, how they could put this on ways? <laughs> Bro, we put this together. Is this caviar route? This, it could only be a man on a bicycle. <laughs> Because you know ways is operate, right? Ways you're, you're driving and they're mapping the routes now. So I start to picture, boy, these fellas really got up in these hills here, boy. A man had to go on a bicycle right here to create this route to rob me. <laughs> and let me tell you. I start to get frightened. Now, I, I the first one to raise my hand and say, boy, there are many cowardly situations that I've had, right? I start to get nervous because I follow ways to this place. I wasn't paying attention to how I get here. You know the ways to do that there? You just driving, you, you ain't no, you ain't looking no street name, you ain't looking nothing, you just following ways and you trust in ways, you have deep faith in ways. That you're going to get to, to where and, 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 and the road not important. I tell you the car stick. The only thing I could have do is reverse. I reverse a little bit. And then I see a, a little old lady coming out again. I see Tanti. I see Tanti a loss. A loss and a little nervous. Where is here? She said, Don't worry, honey. I said, and she said, Where are you going? I said, Well, no, where, where are you going? Where are you I dropping you wherever you want to go? <laughs> She said, well, I just going over to say, well, Tanti, we're jumping the car, we're going wherever you're going. <laughs> Tanti jumped in the car, I followed Tanti. Tanti said, turn left, turn right, go down the hill, I dropped Tanti right in front of she doorstep. <laughs> because I didn't know where I was going. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But Abraham decided that he was going to respond to God and go. <laughs> He trusted God. You know, what is our response when we are called to do something? Are we critical of the people who ask us to serve? We feel like we're asking me to do something for a boy. Go and ask somebody else. Are we ducking our Bible talk leader, ducking the minister of the church, begging you for the serve? Do we have to be begged? To give. Do we have to be begged to serve? Is your attitude anything like these guys here? Here am I. I am here. I don't know how to do it, but I'm willing to try. Now those are the people who succeed in life. The people who are willing to go even though they don't know what the result is going to be. Well, Papa Smurf used to say it's better to have smurfed and lost than not to have smurfed at all. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah smurf lover, you ain't know that one, you know. That was top quality, you know. Better to have smurfed and lost than not to have smurfed at all. Are you willing to give? You know, Paul says in Romans 1.15, he says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. This is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. It takes a certain amount of courage 
to always speak and live the truth and to grasp the opportunities to serve that our God has tailored in our lives. You know that passage in Acts chapter 9 is amazing. Just like all of them. You know, this guy, Saul, had this plan to go into Damascus. He got his letters. He was preparing long in advance. So he knew where he was going long time. This was a planned trip. He didn't get up in the morning and say, you know what? I head into Damascus to arrest some people. He organized his business in advance. Eh? God said, no problem, brother. I'm waiting for you on the road to Damascus. On his way to the very Damascus, he was blinded for three days and went to stay at a house on Street Street. Meanwhile, Ananias, going about his business, you know, you read in the news about the fella in Afghanistan, and the fella in Afghanistan coming to Damascus now. And God decided, you're going to be my instrument to reach this man. I mean, God coordinated this whole thing so perfectly. You know, like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, that always blows my mind. You know, I mean, God told Philip to run up to that chariot and stay there. And while at that exact time, when Philip was running next to the chariot, right, he was hearing the man reading a particular passage of scripture. How does this happen? Does God do that? God goes through great lengths to coordinate things. And all He needs for us as His chosen instruments is that to open our mouths and say something. through great lengths and sometimes we lack the courage to act and to see something after all his efforts and you snuff out the glory that he had intended I hope this reaches our hearts I hope this reaches our hearts. You know, Ananias was realistic. He was realistic. He, 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 he had to ask a little question. You know, I, I want to big up Juvie Lord. Juvie Lord. Give that man a round of applause. You know, he, he shared a lesson with us and gave us the difference between reasons and excuses very recently. Saying our reason is, our reason is, you know, boy, you know, this, this could happen, but it does not suggest that you're not going to do it. An excuse is giving a reason and it's suggesting this is why I'm not going to do it. You with me right here? Ananias in verse 13 said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much he did to your saints in Jerusalem. So he just wanted to stick that in there. He said, Lord, you know what? I hear about this fellow, you know. No way in there he said, Well, I ain't want to go or nothing, but the fact that he asked. 
Pride was born in him a little bit, you know? Something about this thing, boy. You know, this fella, uh, I hear about him, you know. You give me a vision there, but what, what kind of vision is that? Ananias expresses his concern to God, but it's not a refusal to obey. I believe he wanted to understand. Here was a man who had persecuted the church and had many of his brethren killed. And I get the idea that Ananias will go whether he receives a divine explanation or not. But he would like to understand the situation. God just said to him, listen, go. This man is my chosen instrument. He was being realistic. But he was not using that as an excuse to not obey God. You know, and there was a time in the Bible and many times where, where courageous men sought protection and fled. Yeah? Elijah fled from the wrath of, of the evil Queen Jezebel in 1 Kings 19. Paul fled persecution at Thessalonica and went to Berea in Acts chapter 17. And later, uh, even is, uh, again, Paul was conducted to Athens by night because of danger in Acts chapter 17 as well. So they had to be wise in the things that they did. But because Ananias perceives this danger, I believe this makes his willingness to go all the more impressive. The fact that he sees the danger, and he says, you know what, well, I'm going to go anyway. I believe that that's where we need to get. We got to dig deep. And... And ask ourselves, why I'm not doing certain things? Why am I afraid in these kinds of situations? What's the kind of people that, that, that I'm, I'm afraid to talk to? You know? Now, this is coming from a guy who has to, to deal with cowardice all the time. I remember the other day I was taking out some garbage. So I, I live down about three flights of steps. I had to go upstairs, right? So if I go upstairs, I go on the garbage is on the other side of the road, so I go and carry the garbage. And I didn't realize that my little son followed me up these stairs. Uh, when I went to pick up the garbage, I didn't see him. And I put the garbage in the dumpster and he just said, Boo! <laughs> And I nearly got a heart attack. in Arima. My brother is living at the, at the house at the time, boy. And I watching watching TV upstairs and in my parents' bedroom. And they had this wooden bed. The, the bed just creak if it moved, right? And I sit on there and I watching my cartoons. And I just hear in the bed going, and I turn it wrong and I ain't see nobody. And I hear it again and I get up to run and I see my brother Alpo Blash boy. Shake in the bed. <laughs> it was, my life wasn't easy as a little brother, you know. I mean, why would you not get anything, right? 
mix realism with, with our feelings, dig deep and ask questions, and, and, and seek to overcome it. Yeah. And sometimes I'm afraid to talk to people who, who are, 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 you know, big in society. You understand what I mean? I talk to the, to, 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 to the man like me all the time. I have a problem. I go on the road. I meet somebody. I share my faith easy. You see them so wacky people? It is, it is me a thing, boy. You know, you just... You, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it is, it is shake me down. I, I get silent. You know, I've, I've been in some meetings with some real Sawati people. And after meeting them two, three times, I started being described as the quiet man. You with me? This is real. Because, you know, it's, it, it doesn't come easy for me to do it. And it's easy for me to do it with, with everybody else that I could bond with, you know, I could relate to you. But, but if, 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 you know, somehow that, that just creates a wall that I need to deal with. But what is it for you? What's preventing you from reaching out to anybody? Is it, is it that you, fear of embarrassment? Yeah, I remember one sharing my faith down in town, boy. And I share my faith with the man, invite him out to church, and I tell him about the scriptures, and the man watch me and tell me, see you in hell. I never forget that. See you in hell. And I mean, that's the kind of statement that, that makes you stop. If that's the first man you meet for the evening. <laughs> You're thinking, boy. <laughs> I ain't too sure. <laughs> I want to invite anybody else to church, but I, I, I had to press on. I pray and I, I, I rock with it. I know he had, he had his own issues, you know what I mean? But we, we've got to move on. We've got to, to, to grow beyond these things and have the courage to do what we need to do. Amen? You know, God's chosen instruments are receptive and responsive to God's word. You know, in verse 17 it says, And Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, Brother Saul, the Lord who, had, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, Ananias realized through the word of God given to him in the vision what was expected of him. And he had the courage to do it. You know, God's words to us has expectations of us as well. He expects certain things of us which will require courage. The question is, you know, do you have what it takes to live your life based on what is true, based on God's calling, despite what the world demands of you? And we live in a demanding world. This world demands our time. Could you relate? It demands our time. It, 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 it wants to, to swallow our time. It wants to lie and share of our time. It wants to make us ineffective in any other way. At the expense of our families. It wants our time. 
at the expense of our relationships with God, this world demands our time. It demands all of our energy. So at the end of the day, you're so tired when it's time to do something spiritually. You're hoping, I hope this man was supposed to study the Bible with call and say he can't make it. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? Yeah. I hope in the study council, boy, and there's a bad prayer. I can't really pray it, but I think in it. Because we get tired. Because the world has taken the best of us. The world wants us all in the world. It wants us all in the world. It wants us in all inclusives for carnival. Quiet, boy. All inclusive. Anybody who know me know where I come from. I come from Arima. Place at Dutty Mass. We are Dutty Mass in the afternoon. From 2 to 10 in the night. We pay $10 for grease. You organize the baby oil so that the grease could come off afterward. And we used to wail our bodies for hours. And we looked forward to it. People would leave the United States and China and England to come to buy $10 worth of grease. <laughs> to carouse. And we said that was life and enjoyment. When I became a Christian, we used to have uh, retreats up in in was his name is Place of the Hill? Mount St. Benedict. I remember the first year. First year. I think with the retreat finish on the Tuesday. And I had a green army bag. The retreat, we eat lunch and we leave. And I had to pass through Arima. Two o'clock in the afternoon. Talk about pressure. And I just put my blinders on and I just I just walk in my bag on my back and I just go in trying to get home. And it took years, years of fighting, 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 just just to not, you know, to, 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 to go back there. You with me? It was a mental drainers. I didn't want to hear the music. When the truck passed, I was struggling because where we used to live here in the truck. <laughs> and I thank God today that I don't feel that way. I don't want that anymore. 
took a long time. And it's for us in here to be honest about who we really are. And the decisions that we're making. Talk to somebody. Come on, talk to me. I, I totally understand you. If there's anybody who understands, it's me. But you've got to make some decisions. Because there's something greater that God has in store for your life. Don't follow the crowd. You may know better places than where they are going. You know, God's chosen instruments, finally, we're going to over early today. God's chosen instruments can see or witness great results. You with me? God's chosen instruments, that's point number three, can see or witness great results. The Bible says about Saul who became Paul, it says Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. In verse 20 it says, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. It says all who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem? those who call on this same name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Messiah. Now I believe that Ananias had no idea what he was helping to unleash upon this earth. He had no idea what this guy was going to become. And if, if we read his resume before, you'd think there's no way that this guy is, is, is really what God intends for him. I mean, look how much people he, he, he organized to get passed out because of this thing. He's a hopeless case. <laughs> Somebody else. And that's probably why Ananias felt like God, you know, I've heard a lot about this guy that you're talking about, your chosen instrument, you know. He might embarrass me, you know. He might need a man. And I believe it's the same for us. We never know who the person that we are going to convert is going to be for God. We may never know. Now I don't know if Ananias lived to see Paul's three missionary journeys. And if he did, he may have been telling his children and his neighborhood, you know, this is where this guy began. Isn't this awesome? I believe that experience would have built his faith in God that indeed God can do anything with anyone at any time and it doesn't who you are and what you've done and how much you've done it and how much you've turned your back on him he 
can use you as his chosen instrument. Will you be willing to respond to him? Will you respond to God and give him your all? Would you be like Ananias? Who may have been overshadowed by who Saul became. But who we need to remember today as the guy that we could probably relate to. As God's chosen instrument. I pray today that you will indeed be like him as you've been called to be his chosen instrument. God bless you all. Amen.